The following program is created for informational purposes only and does not constitute as medical advice. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host. If you think you may have a medical emergency, consult your doctor. This is where the healing begins. This is Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne of Greenwood Family Chiropractic, where it's not only about neck and back pain, but a place for whole body wellness. Listen this hour as Dr. Leanne is here to share her wellness education to help you live a maximized life. For more information, visit GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. Here's Dr. Leanne. Good morning. Thanks for joining. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic, 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, or you can always reach out greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. That's greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. (laughs) Today, Today, we're going to talk about ADD, ADHD. It is a topic that I don't really know that we have really taken a deeper dive into. I want to talk more about the medication that is standard procedure for prescription for kids when we talk about kind of amphetamines and what some of the long term indications, health indications are for those, um, kind of the pros and cons of that ADD, ADHD medication. But more so, I I really want to talk about how we navigate through maybe more naturally. Remember, I'm not a prescribing physician. I'm not your prescribing physician. We don't put you on medication. We don't take you off medication. But I see this more as a mom with small children uh, some that are in preschool, some that are in elementary, and I, I see more so how it would be easy for that reason, but oftentimes it's what we are doing to our bodies or there are things that we can be doing to manage those more naturally. <laughs> I have three kids. All of them are very different, and so just really from the aspect of being able to navigate and manage, I want to give some options for natural remedies. So before we dive into that, let's talk about some news. Dr. Leanne's Health News. Some studies suggest that too much sugar can literally mess with the brain. Health News now, one of the world's most commonly prescribed medications. Today, the average American consumes 22 teaspoons of sugar a day. Protesters say they just should not be forced to get this shot, not by the government. For today's Health in the News, meds for kids with pain and fever are in high demand. Here's what to do if you can't find them. So they're talking about how more recently, uh, Grants Pass Pharmacy in Southern Oregon is down to the last few boxes of children's acetaminophen and ibuprofen. And the pharmacist there said that they can't order more. She orders these medications from one of the big three wholesalers. She's checked the availability of the pain and fever-reducing meds this week, and out of 40 products, 
zero were in stock. So across the country, there has been a surge of the flu, of RSV, and children in the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Man, we're several years into this. Uh, was meant uh, was met high demand for mainstay medicine to reduce fevers and control pain. So now with parents searching for these drugs at the same time, store shelves have been emptied in some areas. So uh, they go on to talk about what happens if you can't find these medications. Now I'm going to read you this article. This is posted on CNN. But I'm also going to do a side note. I do agree with some of these things. Uh, but I, I have an article that was published in American Academy of Pediatrics, Volume 123, Issue 3. We are going to talk about fever and antipyretic use in children, right? Which what that means is fever and uh, over-the-counter that reduce fever in children. I'm going to talk about that. So hang tight. So they talk about um, for a child, anyone under the age of two months, that's pretty standard. They say bring them to the emergency room. Uh, if a child is happy and eating and drinking and has a fever of 102, you don't have to give them Tylenol Motrin. This is coming from a, a pediatrician. Um, for children over the age of two, there's no magic number at which a fever needs to be treated. When the number creeps up, a temperature of 104 or 105 may look concerning, but kids are usually just fine even when fevers run that high, she said. I agree with that. I think this is wonderful. Like we're trying to educate fearful, scared parents. If you have an infant that's under the age of two months, it's a different story. Any temperature over 100.4 is considered a concern and needs to be seen by a clinician. They said, however, if your child is just laying around and doesn't look well, or if they have ear sinus pain, you should treat them for discomfort, even if their fever isn't terribly high. If liquid medication, which are usually given to kids, are out of stock, they recommend looking at suppositories that you can stick in your child's rectum. I don't... Do these people have children? This... Okay. Uh, in Canada, they're dealing with assorted as well. Tablets, not capsules, or gel can be crushed and added to a bed of applesauce or chocolate syrup oh, to cover the taste. This... So that's... Oh, boy. Finally, kids are at high risk of becoming dehydrated when they have a fever because they lose more fluid when their temperature is elevated. So they might not want to drink as much. So you need to push fluids. And I can agree with that. Uh, they say sports drinks cut by water. Eh, that's not as bad. So they say what not to do. Uh, don't give your kids aspirin. Even though it says baby aspirin, it's not meant for babies. What some people may or may not know is that aspirin given to children during a viral illness, which more candidly, majority of, you know, school aged illnesses tend to be viral, uh, is associated with a rare but serious condition called Ray's syndrome, which can cause swelling in the liver and the baby's brain. Lukewarm baths are okay. It's not a good idea to put a child in a cold bath. Now, this is where I think this is great. Rarely fevers can trigger seizures in children. That is often why parents would give their child something to reduce their fever is because they have been incorrectly taught that high fevers cause seizures. It's not necessarily true. That tends to happen when their temperature changes too quickly. 
So a cold bath will lower their body temperature, but it doesn't actually reset their internal thermometer, their brain. So when they get out of the bath, a cold bath can trigger rapid rise in temperature that increases the possibility of seizures. So what you should do more so is a cold compress to the forehead, back of the neck, underneath the armpits to relieve any of that comfort. So they they were on the right path. I think it's great. The education standpoint, I feel like, <laughs> you know, now as a parent, I'm like, I mean, I know that you're not supposed to give babies aspirin or children aspirin, but I'm like, who taught me that? Or did I learn that in school? Like, does the average parent, just because you birth a baby, doesn't automatically mean your brain's like, oh my gosh, you know what? I probably shouldn't give this baby aspirin. (laughs) Like, we just don't, that's not there. You know, we've been taught that like a fever is a bad thing. And so the first thing that we do as a parent or what we are taught or what we think or what society tells us is we need to get rid of that fever. And so I'm here to tell you that that's not necessarily true. And it's not just my opinion. Again, this is published with multiple sources of MD. It's published in the American Academy of Pediatrics, published in March of 2011, Volume 127, Issue 3. You can look this up online. So when we talk about a fever, fever is actually a great thing. And it might not seem like it when you have it. It might not seem like it when you have a kiddo who has it, but it's one of the most common clinical symptoms managed by pediatricians and, and healthcare providers. And one of the first things that they do, many parents may administer antipyretics. So anti is against, think about pyro, fire, hot, antipyretic. So it's like a fever reducer. So, oh, so the name of this is fever and antipyretic use in children, if you want to look it up. Um. There is no evidence that a fever itself worsens the course of an illness or that it causes long-term neurological complications. It's important. Thus, the primary goal of treating a febrile child, child with a fever, should be to improve the child's overall comfort rather than focus on the normalization of body temperature, right? Has anyone taught you that as a parent? It's not to reduce the fever. It's to make the child comfortable. So when counseling the parent or caregiver of a febrile child, the general well-being of the child, the importance of monitoring activity, observation for signs of serious illness, encouraging appropriate fluid intake, and the safe storage of antipyretics should be emphasized. Current evidence suggests that there is no substantial difference in the safety and effectiveness of acetaminophen and ibuprofen in the care of generally healthy children with a fever, right? So they're like, there's not one that says one's better than the other. Acetaminophen is Tylenol by the way. Um, Now, here's what I think is so interesting and so great. They talk about one, don't wake a sleeping baby. They say if a uh, most pediatricians believe that a sleeping child, a sleeping ill child should not be wakened solely to give antipyretics. If they're sleeping, let them be. Let's here's here's the importance of what I see, though. And this article doesn't talk about this. It talks about the management of it. It doesn't talk about the uh, physiology of a fever. Like what is the purpose of a fever? This is important. It should be emphasized that fever is not an illness, but it is, in fact, a physiological mechanism that has beneficial effects in fighting infections. That fever you have is beneficial. A fever retards the growth and reproduction of bacteria and viruses enhances neutrophil production and T lymphocytic 
proliferation and aids in the body's acute phase reaction. What does that mean? Fever retards the growth. It stops. It slows the growth of that bacteria and virus. It increases other white blood cells and it makes the body's acute reaction more beneficial. What? Like, I don't know if you need to hear this again or read it or hear it from another practitioner, but a fever is beneficial. Uh, the degree of fever does not always correlate with the severity. 103 doesn't mean it's worse than 99, right? Sometimes we think that. Most fevers are short duration, are benign, and actually may protect the host. That host is you or your child or husband. <laughs> um Risks of lowering fever include delaying identification of the underlying diagnosis. Um, and they go on to talk about even just like one of the most concerning things is um, and what you should concentrate on a parent is decreasing the occurrence of dehydration. Uh, we have something called Ultima. It's an electrolyte. My kids call it special water because they don't get it very much. <laughs> but Anyways, we put that in there, and it's just one where you're like, get some fluids in those kids. This goes on to even talk more about the hypothalamic set point. This is one where your body actually resets its set point. So they say 104 is believed to um, attribute to heat stroke if they're um, like out running around, but 104 has not been contributed to any heat related adverse outcomes when it's prompted with a fever. It's not considered hyperthermia because you have this hypothalamic reset that your brain does. So it just goes on and on to talk about beneficials of fevers. So those are ones where uh, if your child is really lethargic, right, that might be an aspect, but you do it to make the child comfortable. And those are times where for me, I'm like, hey, this is going to be a week long thing if you don't get a fever, or it's going to be a two day thing if I let this fever run its course, embrace the suck, make sure you stay hydrated. I'm going to take the two days and let my child's body do what God intended it to do, which was heal. So just one of those aspects on what we do might look a little bit different. But no, not all fevers are bad things. So we don't have to fear it anymore. Be educated on it. When we come back, ADHD medication, what does it do? We'll talk deeper next. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. We're online with life-changing results and success stories at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. Hear full shows on the podcast link at freedom95.us. Here's Dr. Leanne. Even when I feel like a mess, have to take a good look inside me. Yes, in the hurts where I find a hole. I guess I'll never be perfect, but I try my best to remember I'm blessed. Looking in the eyes of my children, surrounded by the Welcome back. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic, 317-893-2853. Again, that's 317-893-2853. Or you can always schedule an appointment online, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. That's greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. 
I do want to say, I do want to say this. I see this very often. Uh, thank you for all the people who are listening, who refer in your friends and families and coworkers and loved ones, because this is always <laughs> so interesting to me. People will come in and we always ask, you know, who can we thank for referring you in? Because we're 85, 90% referral base. Who can we thank for referring you in? And often they say, well, I listen to the radio. And I will say, thank you so much. What was it inevitably that made you want to come in and get further evaluated? Like, what was it that you heard or what resonated with you? And you know what they say? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I mean, I don't listen to the radio. My husband, my brother, my uncle, my coworker, my so-and-so. 95% of people who come into the office who say, hearing me on the radio is what brought them in. They themselves don't listen to the radio. So all of the people who are referring in their friends and families and loved ones, thank you so much for that. Also, you should probably be checked and evaluated too. <laughs> oh, man. So today we are talking about ADHD. Now, when we talk about ADHD, I, I feel as if this is more of my front of mind because people, uh, because I have kids that are school-aged now versus smaller children, I feel as if this is um, very often a thought or diagnosis. It's more prevalent. And not that it's necessarily more prevalent. I think for me, it's just um, more forefront. Here is, before I dive into kind of signs and symptoms and medication, more natural aspects of how to address, is that... uh, Yes, I have seen lots of kids. I have my own, but we are a full family office and we are primarily family-based. And what's so uh, interesting to see is different kids and different takes and how they act. And I, I wonder how much of this is, you know, neurodevelopmental disorder and how much of it is kids being kids. Now, don't come at me. I understand it's not all the same. And I've seen the difference between kids. I just think it's hard to throw someone in a box. And here's the other thing too. I've seen um, when we haven't made the best choices and when we change making those choices, the changes in my children's behavior. It's a, we'll talk a little bit about that moving forward too. But signs and symptoms um, for a child, right? Because so, ADHD is one of the most common neurodevelopmental disorders of childhood. It's usually the first diagnosis in childhood um, and often will, you know, roll over into adulthood. Often children with ADD, ADHD um, might daydream a lot. They forget or lose things. They squirm or fidget. They talk too much. They're careless mistakes or unnecessary risks, <laughs> A little underdeveloped brains. Um, they have a hard time resisting temptation. They have trouble taking turns. They have difficulty getting along with others. When I look at that, I just think of how much of that is you have, you as like being the child, this child has a neurodevelopmental disorder or how much of it is that they're still a kid. 
You want to know why they take unnecessary risks? The same reason why your 16-year-old takes unnecessary risks. Because their brain is not developed. <laughs> their brain's not developed. You know, you forget or lose things. Why? Because your brain is not developed. You talk too much. Why? Some kids more than others. And sometimes that's a personality. You know, I have two boys 18 months apart. They, um, you know, made by the same people, raised by the same people, same things. They're very different kids. Like they are very different kids. And I don't know why, because I did the same thing with them. (laughs) But sometimes it's just a different kid. You know, they say causes of of ADHD. And I think this is really interesting. Uh, Scientists are studying cause and risk factors in the effort to find better ways to manage and reduce the chances of a person having ADHD. Uh, The cause and risk factors are unknown, but recent research shows that um, there's different roles that can be played. Uh, Some of them, including brain injury, exposure to environmental risks, including lead during pregnancy or at a young age, alcohol or tobacco use during pregnancy, premature delivery, low birth weight, right? So those are some aspects when you know, an app, a parent or loved one brings in an adolescent child who might be experiencing ADHD and they say, are there any kind of things? And we, you know, we talk about detoxification of the child and you think why? And again, it's one of the aspects when they say, Hey, if this could be exposure to an environmental risk, If they're exposed to heavy metals or environmental risks during pregnancy or at a young age, then it's probably still in their system, which is why it's having an effect on their brain and the development, the neural development of their brain. So there are some natural ways to be able to do that. Um, We'll talk more about managing symptoms, how to stay healthy, how to address that. But I do want to say... I feel as if we need to talk a bit about the standard allopathic process and what that tends to be are medications. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about the medications because I feel as if it is not addressed as often, especially in littler kids. So really, medication for ADHD falls into two groups. One is stimulant and the other is a non-stimulant. I feel as if the stimulant is more prevalent, though they try... Um, to go through the non-stimulant route, especially in more adolescent cases and pediatric cases, this is one that they won't do as much. The non-stimulant drugs are Stratera, uh, antidepressants like Welbutrin um, are more of the non-stimulants, though they aren't prescribed as often for ADHD as the stimulants are. Stimulants include... uh, Adderall, Dexedrin, and Vivians. All of those are amphetamines. Adderall is an amphetamine, dextroamphetamine. Dexedrin is dextroamphetamine. Vivance is lisdexamphetamine. So these are amphetamines. Now that might not mean a whole lot. So what I, I did is I wanted to take a deep dive to explain to you what really amphetamines are. And what's interesting that came up one of the when I searched was kids health. So this comes from kidshealth.org. Amphetamines, what parents need to know. 
It's reviewed by uh, Stephen Dauschen, who's an MD. What is it? Amphetamines are a very addictive stimulant. They speed up functions in the brain and the body. They come in pill or tablets. Prescription diet pills also fall into this category of drugs. Sometimes called speed, uppers, dexies, bennies, hearts, or truck drivers. <laughs> Slang term. They probably use on the street. You don't have to use it on the street, though, if they prescribed it to your nine-year-old, right? So <laughs> uh, how it's used. Amphetamines are swallowed, smoked, snorted, or injected. Again, you don't need to worry about injecting your amphetamines when your doctor prescribes them to your 12-year-old in Adderall form. Uh, these uppers pump up the heart rate, breathing, and blood pressure can also cause sweating, shaking, headaches, sleeplessness, and blurred vision. So here's what I see, again, is probably the problem in more of the allopathic sense is that we give them these uppers, speed, amphetamines, not methamphetamines. We're not talking about meth, right? We're not talking about methamphetamines because the meth, you know, is wildly addicted. We're talking about dextroamphetamines, totally different. <clears throat> no, not really. Uh and then we're like, oh my gosh, I can't sleep. Like, I'm just not sleeping well. And they're like, well, here's, here's some Ambien. And so we have these uppers during the day and these downers during the night that help us sleep. And we're like, what is happening to the brain of these kids? Like, these brains are so underdeveloped. These upper, uh, long or lasting, may cause hallucinations or intense paranoia, right? Like, anxiety is one of the main things. Why? Because you're stimulating the brain so much. Even after users stop taking amphetamines, they still may have problems such as aggression, anxiety, and strong cravings for the drug. You know what that's called, friends? A strong craving for a drug? It's called an addiction. It's called a frigging addiction. It blows my mind. This is a stimulant. <laughs> it is a massive stimulant. And we're like, just okay with giving this to children we're like well it makes them sit and pay attention more and you're like is there withdrawal symptoms and you're like oh yeah absolutely and you're like is is there circulatory or respiratory problems and they're like oh yeah absolutely um interference with your blood circulation your toes and fingers might become numb or start to hurt they might turn blue or red they could cause heart attacks or strokes one of the side effects that comes with adderall can lead to sudden death with people right your heart you know, when you're just taking it over and over and over again for years at a time, you know, can it cause heart problems? And they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So sleep problems are probably one of the number one eating issues they found through multiple research studies. You know, when you're on this stimulant, they cause you not to be hungry. Right. So it's it causes it to suppress the your appetite. And so you're not eating. So if you give this to a child who should be thriving and growing and need food, but then you give them this amphetamine, right, Adderall, Vyvanse, Dexedrine, and we say, here is this stimulant, and you're like, I'm not hungry, now I'm not eating, so now we see all of this um, problem with growth, right, like oh, my kid's not growing properly. They're not developing properly. And you're like, do you think that that could potentially be because they're not eating because they're on a stimulant? And you're like, well, you need to eat more. And you're like, how? I'm not hungry. Um, ticks, which is more defined as like a repetitive movement or sound, again, because this is a stimulant. Uh, mood changes. 
It can cause irritability, aggression, uh, mood changes, nausea and headaches. Again, because it's a stimulant rebound effect. So when the ADHD medication wears off, by the end of the day, a person experiences a return in their symptoms, oftentimes more severe than before. This happens because the drug is leaving the brain and the brain receptors too quickly. And so they're like, well, let's just do smaller amounts over a longer period of time. The other part is it increases blood pressure and pulse rate. <laughs> Why? Because it's a stimulant. I, I just, and, and like we have these like little developing kids and you're like, maybe my kid's not so little. Maybe he's 12 or 14. And you're like, so it's not a little kid. But that, that child's body and brain is not done developing. And we're giving it amphetamines. Um, and I get and, and here's what makes my heart hurt is that I don't think any parent goes into it willy nilly saying, you know what I think is a really great idea. Um, we're going to we're going to give my child a derivative of meth so they do better in school. Right. Like and that's what hurts my heart more than anything is that most parents maybe haven't been educated about or don't know about the resources of things that can be done from a different component to help manage those symptoms without something as drastic as that and that that is really what like we don't treat ADHD we don't as chiropractors but there is research about benefits about your prefrontal cortex in terms of chiropractic and what the prefrontal cortex is responsible for there is research about what you put in your body and what you feed your child and how it can cause ADD, ADHD symptoms. And so that's what we're going to talk about next. If you're at that point and you feel like you're stuck, is there an alternative way? And I'll tell you exactly what those options look like next. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. We're online with life-changing results and success stories at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. Hear full shows on the podcast link at freedom95.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic, 317-893-2853. 317-893-2853, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. I will say one thing that we are very passionate about is patient education. I have said time and time again that I believe the worst decision you could ever make is an uneducated one. And so my goal in the office, right, like, my name's Dr. Leanne Schluter. You coming in are likely an adult. Why am I as an adult telling you as an adult what to do? My goal is to educate you so you can make the best decision when it comes to your health. And so we do that. We do that through... um, educating you about health and wellness with your nervous system, your brain, some and spinal cord or what control everything. <laughs> um, whether it be nutrition or, you know, we talked earlier about 
how to address a fever naturally and, and our fevers as scary as we've been led to believe and just that aspect and then you as an adult as a mom or a dad as a grandma or a grandpa get to make the best decision for your health now we talked about ADHD I have three kids now uh, elementary preschool and a little bit younger and so I've not, I can't say I've been doing this. A lot of people have been doing it a lot longer than me. But I see that this is more forefront now that my kids are in school systems. That you will have children that are less hyperactive and some that are more hyperactive. Uh, you know, ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. So uh, I want to give some options or opportunities on what that looks like from a health perspective. Because I, you know, my kids, two people made kids the same way, raised them the same way in the same household, you know, doing the same thing. And as I said earlier, my kids are very different. And here's what I have noticed. One more in particular of my children is very sensitive to dyes, right? What does that mean? We, uh, last summer, were out with family, and we eat really relatively clean. And it was very interesting to see that um, they, oh gosh, they um, they were with some other family members who, uh they got they got ice cream and the ice cream wasn't even just like regular ice cream it was like the friggin bubblegum ice cream that was pink and had all the colors and they had candy and all that candy is very like vibrant and visually appealing and the reason why is because it's full of artificial dyes and so when we're talking about um artificial dyes there are some people who disagree but even the mayo clinic notes that certain food colorings and preservatives can increase hyperactivity behavior when i tell you that and i pointed it out to my husband because i not that he disagreed but i don't know that it was as forefront in his mind to be able to see consumption child actions how were they what did he consume? What are her his his action his or her? I'm not saying what kid. His or her actions like consumption. What are their actions? Consumption. What are their actions? And I said, look, right when they eat all of the artificial dyes, I said, pay attention to what their behavior is like the next two days. And they're little monsters. Ugh, they're little monsters. So. You, but here's one that you have to start looking these preservatives preservatives in these colors which oddly enough are not present in majority of other countries outside of the United States the United States allows them all in so when you look at uh, like yellow number six for example sunset yellow found in breadcrumbs cereals cereals I feel like are one of the the worst in terms of colors because we have the blues and the yellows and the reds candy right like we m&ms skittles all the different you know vibrant colors that icings soft drinks yellow number six uh yellow number 10 another yellow juices sorbets smoked fish 
that's uh, red oftentimes. Red dyes, if you are looking at Allura red, red number 40, one of the worst. Soft drinks, children medication. I had years back uh, a friend from high school posted on a social media platform that her child was just acting awful and it was following whatever pink reddish medication oral medication she's like has anyone else noticed this and I sent her multiple things and I said your child's probably just responding to the dyes that are in that medication gelatin ice cream I mean you you'll see it everywhere Pickles have yellow dye in them, granola, yogurt has dye in them, marshmallows, right? Marshmallows, oftentimes people who are bakers will know this, blue and purple dye will often make something not have a yellow tinge, but more of a white tinge. So oftentimes conventional marshmallows will have food dyes in them. Like it's coming from all different angles and you might say, well, we're not really doing it. Like it's obvious blue slushies or whatever. Those are the more obvious ones. When we're talking about the less obvious ones, that's where candidly I, I see more of the problem, you know, but it's, hey, we get a little bit in our Pop-Tart. Hey, we get a little bit in our cereal. Hey, we get a little bit in our yogurt. Hey, we get a little bit in our jelly. Hey, we get a little bit in this. Hey, we get a little bit in that, hey, we, but it's everywhere. And it's in their candy, and it's in their granolas, and it's in the breadcrumbs, and it's in the soft drinks, and it's in your smoked fish, it's in your ice creams, it's in your juices. But here's what I will tell you, is that once you start paying attention, there are so many alternatives now that use spirulina for something blue or green, that use um, turmeric or carrot for something orange. Is it as wonderful and vibrant? Maybe not, but I don't care. Because one, not only are they often known carcinogens, they also affect your child's brain. And, and I had, you know, and I bless her heart, we get stuck into these like ruts as parents. And I was trying to help this patient to get her son out. And he was highly medicated, had just awful, awful ADHD symptoms. And the mom was at a point where she's like, I literally don't know what to do. And I, I said, you know, you really have to, one of the first things you can start doing proactively is look at his diet. And she said, one of his treats like a way we reward him is from a slushy from the gas station and I'm just not willing to take that away well do you know how much sugar and dyes and chemicals are in those so even like potential um, allergens in terms of like chemical additives or preservatives BHT BHA they're often used to keep the oil in a product from going bad they're in processed foods, potato chips, chewing gum, cake mixes, cereal, butters, instant mashed potatoes. I see it a lot in cereal. Um, but again, it's, it's, these are the, the chemicals that we're putting in our body or affecting our brain. So one is be cognizant of screen time. Visual stimulation, there is strong evidence about visual stimulation that once a child gets to sit in front of something that doesn't have a screen flashing in front of them multiple times, years and years back as well before I had kids, I remember seeing one of the worst shows to watch was SpongeBob SquarePants. And it was because the amount of times that the screen changed within a minute, that stimulation, right? It's change, change change, change, next screen, next screen, movement, next screen, next screen. And then we put them in front of nothing. And then they're like, where's my change? Where's my movement? Where's my change? Where's my movement? It's just, it's so hard. Get them outside. 
a study in 2011, several studies before, support the claims that regular exposure to outdoors and green safe um, helps people with ADD, ADHD. But here's another one too that you might not have thought about, chiropractic. Another really great one that I see is adding omega-3 fatty acids. So again, research, internal review of psychiatric published in 2006, omega-3 fatty acids and ADHD and related neurodevelopmental disorders talked about how omega-3s are critical in brain development and function. You know where you get this from? Fish. And like our family, we do salmon, we do cod, um, our kids do love it. But I would say for the average family, maybe you're not doing it as much. So that is one where you do have to supplement. DHA, for example, is um, when we're looking at that, there's essential fatty acids and non-essential fatty acids. Essential fatty acids are one that have to come from diet. They're not created in the body and they are needed. They looked at um, EPA and DHA supplementation in ADHD because it's been studied extensively now over the last decade. And what they found was uh, an increase in red blood cell levels of DHA was associated with improved reading and a lower rate of parent rating of oppositional behavior, right? So the parents actually rated um, from an objective standpoint, they found that there was improved word spelling, improved spelling, uh, word reading, I'm sorry, improved spelling, uh, improved ability to divide attention, and a lower parental rating of oppositional behavior in terms of hyperactivity, restlessness, and overall ADHD. So there's different aspects. Try not to get your fish oil in a gummy form because most of them are full of sugars. Um, So there's different aspects of how to add that in if it's not coming from a fish source. But DHA is so important for brain development in different lobes in terms of brain development. So one of them is the frontal lobe, which is responsible for focus and attention, planning and problem solving, right? So it's known for its executive function. The other one is for prefrontal lobe, which is tied to social, emotional, and behavioral development. And so when we're talking about supporting this brain during these active years, DHA in terms of fish oil is a really important one. Now, again, another aspect of what is used to help support the brain is chiropractic care. We always think about chiropractic care being from the brain, down the, down the spinal cord, out the nerves, but they have done research. Uh, it was published in Journal of Neuroplasticity, published in 2016, and it actually talked about how adjustments have an effect on the prefrontal cortex. Again, the prefrontal cortex is what affects the higher brain function. It allows for abstract thinking, thought analysis, regulating behavior, right? So especially when we're focusing on the ADHD symptoms, it focuses on regulating behavior, choosing between right and wrong, social control, predicting probable outcome. And what they found was that uh, an upper cervical adjustment, right? So C1 and C2 found that it helped uh, increase brain function brain working better, 50% better, 50% change in the free frontal cortex of the brain. And so this is one where I can say more candidly, from more of just a clinical aspect, seeing children under chiropractic care, um, people are like, why would your kid get adjusted? But from a subjective, right? Because we're not doing like EEGs in our office. But what I can tell you is when a parent comes in and you see and you hear 
the appreciation and thanks that they give knowing that something just as simple as chiropractic and making lifestyle changes has literally changed the frustrations that they've had for the child in front of them when they weren't sure what to do and they didn't want to put them on stimulants or non-stimulant, which are typically antidepressants. And you, you feel like you're at the loss and you have someone who's on your team and on your side and willing to sit down with you and educate you and help you walk through that process. Inevitably, that's always what we do at Greenwood Family Chiropractic. First steps, though, is you got to be in the office. 317-893-2853. 317-893-2853. GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. Again, that's Greenwood familychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. I will say it's an aspect where we give you the tools and the resources. We are alongside of you as your healthcare provider. We are often patients' primary care physician, even though we don't prescribe any medication. It gives an opportunity that if there is a need, I referred a patient out the other day, um, and she had a systemic infection that she um, was like a red streak all the way down her leg. And I said, that is not chiropractic, my friend. You need to go to urgent care right now. And she did. You know, so we have the opportunity and ability to refer out when needed. But that that is why, you know, medicine has a time and a place. We're very grateful for it. Um, we utilize it when we need to. But it just gives us an aspect of health and wellness um, in order for us to be as great as we possibly can more naturally. So it's just a different school of thought. Allopathic is medicine where our ultimate goal is figuring out what can we do and allow for our body to do from a health and healing standpoint so again 317-893-2853 317-893-2853 greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com thanks so much for tuning in look forward to next week but always remember that your power is on